Hello and welcome to episode 873 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, December 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason this morning. Justin, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, I'm a little cold this morning, but... Uh, a little cold? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It was 40 degrees when I walked into my office this morning. It is now up Justin. to a raging 46 degrees now that I've got my space heater on, so... Disgusting. Uh, yeah, it's truly disgusting. I hate it for you. Um, so you're welcome. You got, you got, you have my sympathy. Hopefully that helps. I'm a gamer though. Like I, you know, I show up. Hey, you're, you're here to play. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I respect that um, because you know, if it was that cold here, I'd be begging out. Yeah, no. I'd be like, oh, I, I can't do it, dude. I'm sorry. You'd be wearing forty it. layers, minimum, minimum, and uh, be complaining about it the whole way. So you're better than me. But we already knew that. Yeah, yeah, that's obvious. No doubt. Here's what we're talking about today. If you listen to the last episode, you might think that the rest of third base is being covered. Because I said, if there's not a bunch of moves, we will do that. That was overly ambitious of me, and we all know that. You the lied. You and I say talked it. through players. I desperately lied. The way you and I go through players, there's no possible way. And as such, we're not going to quite get all the way through. But let's just dive into it, start talking about them. Uh, at, well, after one move. We did a one move. But then we'll get right into talking about third baseman. We'll get through a whole bunch of them. And then the final piece will be on Tuesday uh, when we're in the, the middle. And, like, and I'm mad that we're not going to finish it. Partly because I also have a hard stop, too. If I had a little bit more leeway, we'd be, we might be able to finish it. But that uh, that sleeper that you teased, what was it? Post six hundred. Yes. Somebody that you were like really keen on. So I'm sorry, folks. Blame it on me. But that might have to wait until. T- I mean, it's going to have to wait until Tuesday because mm-hmm. we just won't have enough time. Uh, your boy's got to get out a little bit early. So uh, let's talk about the Carlos Santana move before we get into these third basemen. He was a one-time third baseman. He is no longer, but uh, he goes out to Kansas City. And I tell you what, I like KC's offseason. I feel like they're 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 listening to my idea that uh, that mid and low tier teams should be in the market this year because of the talent that's available. And they've gone out and they've gotten Santana and Minor, which I think are pretty high impact moves. And then even the Michael Taylor move is a decent little move. I don't mm-hmm. think that's high impact, but I I, I certainly don't hate it. Uh, what did you think about Carlos Santana staying in the Central but going to the Royals? R.I.P. Ryan or Ryan Hearn shares. It's uh, yeah, uh, that's not, tough. Not, and and McBroom. Yeah, not uh, that I had any. Yeah, I, I wasn't in on either of them. Uh, so I'm kind of glad that they went out and they got someone. Uh, this becomes a real interesting little lineup with Merrifield, Montesi, Sal Perez, Santana, Jorge Soler, Hunter Dozier. If they can get anything out of Franchi Cordero, like this has now See, become yeah a pretty interesting lineup. My plan for them, because when they when they made this signing, uh, I was talking about them on on my stream, Twitch.tv/spore. Just saying, come on through. Uh, and I had an idea to continue, keep going here. David Dolan left, Colton Wong at second. I like this. I don't think the Colton Wong at second is going to happen because I think they're still... Uh, still got a boner for Nicky Lopez. Yeah, and he's cheap, you know, so yeah. they don't have to worry about spending any money. And 
um, at that position. But I do like the David Dahl idea. Like that, yeah, because like, like I don't really think I don't think Franchi deserve deserves a full time spot. Like if he starts to play well, he can he can hone in there on some on some playing time and and push Taylor because uh, Taylor doesn't necessarily need a full. You know, they got Cordero and Taylor. Those two should probably be one spot together. So I think they have an outfield spot to go for. And I think Dahl, being younger, is the way to go. Um, I think one central team should definitely sign him. If it's not like the Royals or Tigers on the low it's end. It's got to be the get, Indians. Then, of course, Cleveland has to. But we say that for every outfielder. I know it gets tired, but it's the truth because they still need outfielders. Mm-hmm. It's like the ninth year we've been saying it, but they still need outfielders uh but but let's get back to santana before we start putting other pieces on the team that aren't there santana um reverted back to previous levels in 2020 after the big i don't want to call it a breakout that suggests that he hasn't been like great before which he has but but he kind of like um re-broke out or 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 hit a new (laughs) level however you want to call it when the 33 year old returned to past glory yeah i mean but a 33 year old goes out and has his best season ever. Um, he put up 281, 397, 515. That first number is the one that really jumps out as far as hitting 281. We never really had seen that from from Carlos Santana. He's all about the the OBP. That he's he can do that standing on his head, even when he's hitting 220. He's got a good OBP. In fact, in 2018, uh, Santana had a 229 average. 352 OBP. So we know his values in, in OBP leagues and all that. He's like a power OBP type guy. The BABIP comes way down from 293 to 212 in 2020. It's a two-month deal. I do think he'd have gotten back, but more close, uh, closer to career, which is 266. I, I never really thought that he was going to just hold 2019 uh, gains. I was just kind of putting him back down to be the 2016-2017 guy who hit 259 with good pop. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, even with a 35-year-old Carlos Santana. I don't think he's a 199 guy. I think he was you know, pretty unlucky there. The power falling back, though, even more so. Like It didn't just fall back to 18. It fell back to a career-worst 150. Two-month blip or something to be concerned about? I think it's something to be concerned about, especially when you start looking at the StatCast data uh, and his exit velocity dropping almost four miles per hour. Ooh, that's um, tough. Yeah, I mean, his barrel percentage dropped. You you know, could it have been injury? Could it be, uh, you know, he just wasn't quite feeling him, you know, feeling like himself, uh, you know, in the short season, not being able to ramp up maybe the way he would like. Uh, or, you know, is his age finally kind of catching up with him? Uh, we, we know that, you know, he can take a walk, 18% a walk rate, uh, and a, you know, sub Always. 17% strikeout rate. So, mm-hmm. like I said, in the OBP, I mean, in spite of the fact he hit 199, his OBP was 349. Yeah, so he still giving you a little OBP mm-hmm. value, even as everything else fell apart for Santana in the shortened 2020 season. Uh, projections say 246, 25 homers. I, I'm i fine with that. Yeah. I think if you live around there. Um, How you, interesting gonna... is that, though? I mean, in obviously in OBP leagues, like it's a, they, they, they're calling, Steamer's calling for a 366 on base percentage and 25 Dude, home runs. Still, 
Still great in OBP. I'm yeah. Still, I'm still interested in him in OBP as my corner. In in standard 5x5, five five, you know, I've always been a Santana backer. Like, I, I, I like him. I'm a fan, a fan of his game. I'm probably going to still live with him in the in the CI realm. I mean, he's picked 320. He is being forgotten. So, hell, he might be my util, my, you know, mm-hmm. um, a bench bat. Yep. And just see what happens. And if he happens to to be what he was in 2020 more so than than 2019 again, or excuse me, than 2018 again, I'm not uh, I'm not I'm holding 19 off as its own thing. He's either going to be 2020 crap or get back to what he was before that. I think you got plenty of leeway with Santana that if he stinks again, you just move on. You don't have to worry. You're not overpaying. He can't really hurt you is what I'm getting at. He's going to play every day. So in deeper yes. formats, he has value. I mean, mm-hmm. it's he didn't sign a one-year deal. This is a two-year deal. The, mm-hmm. you know, the Royals are somewhat invested in him for for at least 2021. I think they see somebody who you know can get on base. And mm-hmm. So at the, at the very least, he's going he's gonna to be putting, the, putting runners on for Solaire and Dozier, and depending on if Perez bats ahead or behind him we'll see so uh, I, I like Santa. i like this move though e- even even come in fact coming off the down year i like it they, they seem to be playing the market smartly here they signed like minor on, on a downturn they signed carlos santana on a downturn go out get one more one or two more guys there uh in, in that non-tendered realm and with the young pitching they're putting together I think they're starting to have a little something. Another little rebirth there in Kansas City. So we'll stay tuned on them. Uh, nothing else going on right now. A little bit of stuff on on James McCann movement, but nothing sealed. So we're not gonna we're not even gonna get in on the speculation and then have everything change by the time we talk again. So that was the only move. The Rule Five is coming up later today in about uh, forty minutes, I mm-hmm. believe. Looking over the list, there are some intriguing pieces, but we'll, again, we'll wait until that gets situated to discuss if there's anybody fantasy relevant uh, in in any format. It's usually deeper formats. So let's get back into third base then. Did have a comment on the last episode asking how Anthony Rendon does not make it into the stars tier. Let me tell you one thing, by the way. Don't get too hung up on the, the naming convention of the tiers. Uh, fair question, though. He is in the stars. I just happened to cut it at the top five because we were we were running on time a little bit. Um, but that stars tier that had Machado, LeMahieu, Arenado, and Bregman also includes Rendon, Devers, and the previously discussed Kevin Biggio. And I make the tiers based on ADP, and then I just try to come up with a name for them. But uh, don't don't read too terribly deeply in, into those. Um, but Anthony Rendon. Absolutely unquestioned star. In fact, the superstar, as far as I'm concerned, going at a 42 ADP, I think he's become one of those guys that's like, he just third round cost. You know what you're getting. You feel good about it, and you just kind of you, you you don't get too over the top about taking him because you know you're just getting a foundational strong piece. Uh, and I still think you look at 2019 as a reasonable upside 34 homers 126 319 but you live with with what he's done over his career which is more of a 300 uh 25 100 type is is that is that kind of how you view rendon yeah i also view him as one of the safest players in the top 40 picks totally agree i think that's yeah that's what i'm trying to convey is he's just safe solid boom yeah i mean it's just 
you know, he's not running the way he, you know, maybe we thought he would coming into his, uh, you know, early years uh, with the Nationals. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's probably 27, 28 home runs and uh, 280 to 300 batting average. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Death Chart Steamer got him for 277. He hasn't had a 277 batting average since... Uh, or worse since 2016, so I have a hard time buying that. I, I mean, I think you know, and I, I, I obviously 2020 batting average is going to be somewhat fluky. So, you know, I mean, I think you pretty much pencil in 27 300, and then like you said, 100 100, and be pretty stoked about it. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Um, cool life there. I did the uh, I did the Skype mute instead of the mic mute, so I could still, you know, hear myself on the feedback there. So I thought I was talking to you. Anyway, you said twenty seven three hundred, and I was I made a joke that uh, you meant twenty seven homers, three hundred ribbies, right? Yes, yes. Okay, I... okay, cool, cool. It's always cool when you are muted like that with a joke, and then you repeat the joke and say, "Oh, I made mm-hmm. a joke like this. Now please laugh." Oh, see, I always so- just eat that joke, and then I'm just so pissed about it. The rest of the show, <laughs> well, it wasn't even good. I wasn't gonna get, I wasn't gonna get pissed about it at all. I just wanted, I kind of wanted it to be the awkward. Well, here's a joke I made. Can you now please go re- back and laugh at it as if it's organic? See, yeah, uh, but yeah. What I need to do is put the silence from you being on mute behind <laughs> you actually telling me the joke. Yes, with a little cricket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we don't need to go any further on on Rendon. Like th- this is this is where uh, getting bogged down talking about how great he is can take extra time. So he's awesome. You should always feel good about taking him. I feel like he's probably a little cheap relative to how good and safe he is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I love him. Next guy I love too, Raphael Devers uh, with Boston. I remember. You know, the funny thing is about, like, slow starts in 2020 is it could have been a week, you know, <laughs> like a week to 10 days. Like, bro, he got off to a really slow start. But Devers had something like that. It, 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 I'm, I'm actually looking it up right now to see how extended it was. It was but he got days. off to a slow start. No, it was longer than oh. that. He was hitting sub 200 21 games into the season. And um, he turned it with a, a three-hit game. He went from 183 to 207 on that day. And and it is a little bit arbitrary to start there, but it also looks like that's where things really started to click because he went back-to-back three-hit games and just kind of took off from that point on. And over the final 36 games, Devers went 307, 350, 573 with nine homers, 38 ribbies, a pace of 41, 172. So, you know, he fully got back on track. I feel like with a full season, uh, he would have been – like pretty close to the the breakout 2019, to be honest. I feel like he was very much on that trajectory um, after the slow start. And, you know, we, we've said it a bunch, but just to kind of reiterate, you know, a three-week blip like that in a standard season, you barely notice it. When it's a two-month season, it, it bogs your numbers down to keep you at a 793 OPS and a 109 WRC+. plus. I don't really have any concerns about Devers. I'm fine with his price. He's 24. The team isn't great, but it's it's not because of their offense. Even though their offense did struggle in 20, I still think that they're a perfectly capable offense for 21, and I'm fine taking their studs, uh, Bogarts, Devers, JD, um, and, and Verdugo's a cut below them, but even him. So they're top four hitters. I don't have any problems taking. Do you have any issues with Devers? I mean, not necessarily. I think he kind of, 
is developing into the player that we thought he could be. I, I, I want to caution people that like the 311 average from 2019 doesn't seem necessarily like a skill that's going to continue to translate, especially considering uh, just how much he swings outside of the zone. He got 42% uh, uh, O-swing yeah, rate. The K-rate. Yeah. The K-rate situation, too. 17% in 19 was was a big standout he had cut it from 25 percent and then he bounced back to 27 percent in 2020 so maybe put devers for more of a 275 Mm -hmm. with the 3100 and i'm fine with that he's gonna Uh, be one of those guys that bounces around in batting average and we've already started to see see it in in his career with 284 240 311 263 so uh i think he's one of those guys if you play the game a little bit like I do in terms of devaluing or, or punting batting average, he becomes a much more valuable piece. But I, I think this is like a 30 homer bat easily kind of locked in with, and I think there's probably a 40 home run season coming at some point. 96 percentile in exit velocity, 80 percentile mm-hmm. in barrel percentage. Uh, you know, XBA uh, was 259 last year, which is totally fine. Um, you know, hits the ball hard. It, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to really like uh, about dude, Devers. Yeah, dude, dude's a monster. I'm in on Devers. I will say, though, while I do like him, I believe in him, it furthers my point about Rendon's draft pick, though, a mm-hmm. draft slot. Because he's 42 to Devers is 45. And despite being pro Devers, I would much rather have mm-hmm. Rendon. So that tells me that Rendon... Is probably 10 to 15 picks too cheap. Rendon is Devers just so is much fine safer. What, what's that? Rendon is just so much safer. Exactly. It, exactly. And and they could they could have the same output. And if you want that batting average, Rendon is a damn near lock for it. Whereas, like you said, Devers is going to bounce around because of that K rate and because of his chase um, uh, issues. So, yeah, like both, but with that same ADP, I'm never getting Devers because I'm always tanking Rendon there. So, um We'll see how that plays out if Rendon starts to move up and Devers stays here. But uh, as is right now, Devers, solid power guy that you can feel comfortable with. Kevin Biggio locks off, uh, uh, finishes off the stars there, but we already discussed him at second base. Go back to that episode if you want to hear it. Let's get into the gems here. Uh, this, is a, this is a really intriguing group, starting with Eugenio Suarez, because it's kind of these guys that uh, a few of them weren't as good in 20. But no one's really backing off, and I think Suarez is part of that. Um, he took a little while to get going. He's another one who I think gave him a six-month season. You'd have barely noticed his his poor start. And Yohan Moncada's like that too. Moncada was out in the open saying, COVID whooped my butt. And I played through it. I was able to play, but it got me. Uh, and, and it really it really took him out, took him down a peg or two from what he was. And he's still went out and he was like lingering around average most of the league average most of the season like he wasn't good you didn't feel excellent about your pick but there's a total excuse for it i mean he played through covid so let's start with suarez but i kind of paired these two together specifically because uh the the struggles they went through suarez like i said didn't have a great season but hit that three homer game and that started to spur him a little bit like okay there's the Suarez that we're looking for. Uh, it was probably a little a little too late at that point. It happened in September um, when he was hitting 
a cool 188 <laughs> that day. He went three for four with the three homers, got him up to 209. But like I said, time was running out at that point on September 5th. And he did only have an 859 OPS the rest of the way. His average just was never there. Um, are you worried that Suarez was like a 2019 fluke or slow start that he could have worked out of with six months? Where do you come out? Because I look at the skills. The only thing I really see different from 19 to 20 is a 98-point dip in Babbitt from 312 to 214. And that, you know, that clues me in that, that the Babbitt's playing a big role there. And you know that I'm not one to use Babbitt and just say, oh, unlucky, unlucky. Mm-hmm. But when you drop 98 points and nothing else really changes, I'm in on the unluck, uh, unlucky aspect at that point. Yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing a whole lot that makes me feel like he should have been this unlucky. Um, I mean, his ex uh, batting average, his deserved batting average over on Statcast is 218. So, I mean, it may have not been quite as unlucky as maybe it looks, but I mean, his barrel percentage still in the top like 9-10% well, of the league. What was his XBA in 19? His XBA in 19 was 251. So, how much does XBA count the bad? Because, like, there is nothing different. He struck out the same amount. He actually walked more. The StatCast profile is is the same. Um, so, you know, he had more barrels even, like a percentage, a percentage point more. But his hard hit rate was higher. Uh, his He had a few more fly balls, so that will cut into the average, but not to this degree. I don't less, know. Less like, infield fly balls. Um, yeah, so, so what, what, what is this, uh, what, what makes up the XBA? Because I, I kind of call B. I feel like he should have at least been like a 250 guy. Yeah, I least. mean, I, I don't think that there's any reason to think that he can't rebound. Um, yeah, I'm going full unlucky as far as that batting average. I, I really am. I, I think it's the Babbitt-infused bad luck there. And, I mean, if you look at, like, his quote-unquote second half, his last 30 games, uh, like, his batting average is, like, 243. So There you go. More in line with what with what yeah. we're expecting there. So, um, I think he's just, you're in that, you're in that uh, latter portion of the top 100. Maybe you're a little power light because you got some power speed guys or maybe you got some pitching. You're getting a 40-homer hitter here. Uh, I would say at least 35 at this spot. You should feel pretty good about that. And there's some average upside. He's hit 260, 283, 271 the last three years. But if you pe- peg him for 245 and then just take the upside as as you know gravy, I think you, I think you're gonna in a good spot there with Suarez. I am still fully in on him, particularly at this uh, discounted ADP from 2019. He's at he's around 86, pick 86. So. Anything else on Suarez? Or are we no, I like better? Suarez. I mean, I, I really like this whole tier. Yeah, me too. Um, it, it's got a lot of lot of good players. And, and kind of the only thing that, that it doesn't have is a speed component player, but you're not really getting a lot of speed out of third base anyway. But it has a lot of diversity of, of player type too. There's some high average guys. Uh, there's some major power. There's some f- positional flexibility in the two guys who we're not going to discuss because we've discussed them at other positions. Uh, there's an up-and-comer who we're going to get to in a moment. So there's a lot of interesting players here. Moncada is next, pick 88. Like I said, um, the, the the COVID got to him. He was very clear about that. As such, I'm willing to kind of 
overlook the fact that he hit 225 and he also had a massive BABIP drop. Now, we knew the 406 was going to come down uh, <laughs> because that's insane, him and Tim Anderson. Of course, Tim Anderson raised his, though, which was funny. We were like, there's no way he can do that. He's like, yes, I can do better. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, but Moncada came from 406 to 315. I think 315 is low for what he can do, though, the way he hits the ball and his speed. I think he is more of like a 340 BABIP type. And so um, I'm not too terribly concerned about the 225. Turns out the market isn't either, though, with this mm-hmm. ADP. I think they're staying bought in. If there's a little concern, it's zero stolen base attempts. But I wonder if that's just, yeah, I hey, think don't that... do anything extraneous with your COVID. You know, we just want you out there. You yeah. know, and you just hit. So what do you think about Yoan Moncada? Bummer of a t- uh, age 25 season, but I'm not out on him at all. Uh, yeah, I'm not out on him at all either. I mean, this is a guy that uh, in 2019 was in the top 2% of the league in terms of exit velocity, and it just dropped down to the 32nd percentile this year. And, I mean, it it seems to be – I, I kind of take his, you know, his words at face value like that. Mm-hmm. And we've heard this from, you know, other players. We've heard this from just people, you know, in the general public that, you know, sometimes – this takes a long time to fully recover from. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, right? I mean, he just, you know, last month got cleared to start walking. Yeah, he developed a heart issue yeah. that he is expected to fully recover from and everything. That's great. You know, the interesting thing is, too, another guy who said he kicked his butt won an MVP, mm-hmm. uh, Freeman. And I don't say that to, you know, like clown Moncada, like, why didn't you win MVP? It's like, But this had so many different – it ran the gamut. There's guys who said, barely knew I had it, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that I tested positive and I had to sit out. Um, And then there's other guys who said, that was hell for for two weeks, and I hated every millisecond of it. So it was was all over the place. Um, It's it's an icy blue StatCast profile, but again, I'm just really not – he's a guy who gets a pass for me, Moncada is. Yeah. So I'll and be a back pass in from here. everybody. I mean, like you said, yeah. like, the ADP is not really dipped very much. Uh, so it's not indicative of the season he had because the market's saying we're not out. We can't be. He's too good. He's too talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the two, Suarez and Moncada, since their ADP is damn near equal, who would you prefer? Ooh, I Team f- context doesn't matter. You're you're you, you're set to where you could take whatever you need off it offensively. So Moncada's speed shouldn't be the driving force mm-hmm. or whatever. So you can take either and they fit your team perfectly. Who would you rather have? I mean, I think I would take Suarez only yeah. because while we expect Moncada to be completely better, we, we have no idea what the long-term effects of COVID-19 on a player like this is going to be. Yeah. We really just That's don't. Fair. I mean, and That's I, really fair. And so I have a hard time wanting to pull the trigger on Moncada until I know he's actually feeling back to the way he was feeling in 2019. I see these two as ripe for movement upward too, with a with a strong spring. If their pick 65 range, if they move up 20 picks, you still taking both in that area? I'm probably not taking Moncada in the area he is right now. So okay, okay. Um, Suarez, yeah, I would be. I mean, Suarez is uh, like a top yeah. fifty player. 
mm-hmm. uh, prior to 2020. And his min is 55. So somebody out there still saying like I'm not worried mm-hmm. about. It. And I and I agree. By the way, I, I would take. I love Suarez at 86. Early drafters, if you if, if you love him, get in an early draft because I think that only goes up when he comes into spring, looks like himself, and pops a couple homers. Yeah, the problem is there's just so many guys in this area and below that I like a lot too. So True, true. I'm willing to take the shot that a guy like Moncada or Suarez drops knowing that there are the the Hayes of the world, the Edmonds of the world, the Urshelas, the Donaldsons, you know, mm-hmm. coming up later, the Chapmans. Yeah, the next tier is pretty interesting too. But uh, let's, let's talk, uh, well, Muncie and McNeil already discussed them. Uh, they have multiple, like three positions apiece. Uh, Alec Bohm. We actually, discussed him we discussed at first, him too. At first yeah. too. Yeah, my bad, my bad. So he's not on here as well. So Matt Chapman is our next guy. And let's talk about uh, let's talk about Chapman here. Now, he ended up having his season end early due to injury, which was a bummer. And uh, I, I was displeased by that. But it ended up being like a pretty bummer year from the standpoint of his batting average at 232 and really his OBP at 276, which in standard leagues, that doesn't matter as much except for, you know, being on base to score runs uh, in particular. And so you look at the 10 homers and you look at the OPS was still there by, by OPS plus WRC plus he didn't even really dip that much, but he missed virtually all of September playing just uh, three games in September so we really didn't even get the the full small sample that we got from other guys who played in the full two months. So I don't really know what we're doing with with Chapman right now. He is going around pick uh, what one fifteen after a ten homer two thirty two season. How are you feeling about that with regards to you know having a season ender? Was it a hip? Was yeah, it a hip it, uh, labrum in his hip. Um, That's right. Which is something I've torn before, and I can just tell you how painful and debilitating it can be. Um, okay, so this is interesting then. Okay, so four-month recovery mm-hmm. from uh, from mid-September. So that's going to delay his off-season a little bit. Now, based on what you're saying here with how much it hurt, it hurt during the process and everything, or did it affect things after? Like, is, is this going to cut into his defensive prowess even when he's back? For Chapman. I think the surgeries are usually pretty successful. I, I never had surgery on mine. I just okay. I did kind of the, the rest and rehab thing. But, uh, like, I like for instance, like, when my hip would act up, and, and still to this day, when I do have issues with my hip, it can literally floor me. Um, oh, there, wow. There were times okay. where, there was one time where uh, I was, like, raking leaves or something out in my front yard and made the wrong kind of movement. Uh, with my hip and uh, like was on the ground and had to crawl to oh, no. inside of my house because I literally could not stand. Um, so like I give him a pass on a lot of this, and then you go look at his Statcast data. Uh, I mean, Matt Chapman's Statcast data is amazing: eighty nine or ninety eighth percentile in exit velocity, ninety fifth percentile in hard hit percentage, ninety uh, eighth percentile in barrel percentage. Damn. Like he, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, even though things didn't quite go well, he only went from 125 to 116 WRC plus. Like mm-hmm. he was stiff because the power was so 
strong that it overcame the fact that he struck out 36% of yeah. the time, only walked 5%, got hurt. So weird season, but yet he was still kind of yeah. doing some really positive things for Chapman. So that that's – I love that He's one of my favorites in real life. Like I just love watching him. And so I love that he's a good fantasy player too because sometimes you have that disconnect with a player you really like, but their fantasy profile isn't mm-hmm. quite matching that. With with Chapman, it does, and I think he's fairly priced even here at one fifteen. I set the uh, max though, on him. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got him at one seventy eight in my most recent NFBC draft. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, with I'm, Ren, I'm Rendon call, on that team as well. I'm gonna call Greg. That's cheating. Yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm calling. No, I'm. Call, I gotta call him, dude. I'm with sorry. a Come bunch on, of dude. smart people in that league, Greg uh, Blankenship uh, from my site, Bruce Cagle from my shot site. Uh, That's a big split, eighty-eight to one eighty-nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, someone uh, got him one eighty-nine. Oh. oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Eighty-nine to one seventy-eight. Okay. Your one seventy-eight is right there. Sorry, Bryant is eighty-eight twenty-nine. So he also has a huge split. Mm-hmm. Who we're going to talk about next? Um, but yeah, eighty-nine to one seventy-eight for Chapman. Um, did you fire your your guys for not picking him? No, Casey Bubba was in that league as well. I think there was another guy in the industry. I want to say uh, in that league, but I'm I'm having a hard time remember exactly who it was but uh yeah no i i mean i was stoked like he fell and kept falling and it was just one of those things where uh on my team i didn't need a third baseman Um, yeah but then 178 comes up and you're like like, at some point you're looking at like what am i missing in terms of matt chapman i'm sure someone will go oh you're missing this but at 178 there's just no yeah there's just no uh no reason not to take the the shot at you know when he starts falling out of the one you know top one thirty one forty. Yeah, there's there's no real downside. You go look at the uh, the the Statcast profile. There's a lot of red there. It's not all red, uh, particularly in that strikeout walk and whiff areas. Those are about as low as they can get with third, thirteenth, and sixth percentile respectively there. But the exit velo, hard hit, x slug, and barrel are all bloody red. And the ex-Woba is, is a nice solid pink. So, uh, again, despite the issues that he was having, he was still putting up production. We'll monitor him with the hip issue. Like I said, uh, January is when he can – right? October, November, December, January. Yeah. Um, so his offseason is going to be a little disjointed, but he still has at least a full month plus before reporting the spring of getting back on track. So we'll see where he's at come spring. If he's delayed or anything, I think the market will move him down uh, closer to where you drafted him. But that'll just make me more interested, to be honest, because I, I really like Matt Chapman. So um, let's move on to the next group. Since there is like a, a, a round split here, I figured moving to the next group and calling them the starters here. These are still guys that are firmly third base starters for you, especially if you're waiting. It does start with the aforementioned Chris Bryant, Cabrian Hayes, uh, Tommy Edmond, who we'd already discussed, Gio Urshela, and Josh Donaldson. And they range from 134 for Bryant down to 193 for Donaldson. And I felt like uh, this this group shows that, you know, you said you don't want to pay for Moncada, and it's like we would pay Suarez this price, but if somebody jumps him or you just don't quite get him, you're not feeling that bad because – is it really that different from, you know, uh, when you factor in, say, say Suarez stays at the 80s, you know, put him at 85, but then you get Donaldson 110 picks later, are you really that that worse off for the, you know, for, for waiting? I don't think so. But let's start with Bryant. 
he's such a lightning rod um, discussion whenever <laughs> uh, he's brought up, whether it's real life baseball that you're talking about or, or fantasy, you know, because the Cubs just went through the whole will they, won't they, as far as tendering him. Now it's like, will they, won't they trade him? Um, he bounced back in 19, had a big season, 31 homers, 282. Here's the, here's the interesting thing, though. The dirty little secret is prior to 20, Brian had never been bad. So for all the the consternation about him and, and discussion, he's never had a bad season. The thing of it is, though, I think he's failed expectations as far as what we expect from fantasy that were driven by that 2016 MVP can, uh, campaign. And since then, he hasn't sniffed. Uh, he hasn't hit 80 ribbies, let alone 100. And part of that's based on where he bats in the lineup. So he's been more. He's been a weird player. He's like good average, solid pop, except for uh, 2018. He only hit 13 homers in 102 games, uh, and then a lot of runs. But the ribbies have been 73, 52, 77 from 2017 to 2019 for Chris Bryant. This year fell apart though. Uh, strikeout rate went up, walk rate went down. 206 average, four homers, 11 ribbies. He was awful. So put it all together. As he enters his final year, maybe with the Cubs, maybe elsewhere before free agency, where do you stand on Chris Bryant? Because I think he's a hard guy to value. He's kind of an avoid for me. I mean, I worry about him not necessarily staying on the field because he's actually, I mean, outside of that, you know, 2018, he, you know, he's played in 147 games or more in the, you know, every season previous. He to, has one of those reputations though right where, mm-hmm. where we feel like he's an injury risk but he only that's the only he's that big guy who's always day to day yes always nicked with mm-hmm. something because he plays in a bunch of different positions i think he kind of plays all out so he's always nursing a shoulder or or you know freaking heel or a finger or a wrist it's always a little the shoulder's been particularly prominent uh, as far as something that's been there so he's an avoid for you at this price is there a price where you would Get like a, a realistic price where you would get in. Yeah, I mean, if he's dropping outside of the top one sixty in drafts, and okay, so past Urshela mm-hmm. and just ahead of Donaldson. Yeah, like I feel like Donaldson is too low, and yeah. Bryant is too high, and they should be together at like one sixty five. I think that's a good call. Yep, I, I totally totally agree with that. Uh, I think we did this. We definitely did this, and I can't remember the answers though. So I'm going to ask again. When we were talking about the potential stars who could get traded, I forget where you came out on whether or not you thought Bryant would be dealt. I don't think he will be. Okay. Um, but it, I mean, if if he starts off the season uh, hot and uh, and the Cubs aren't looking like they're going to be very good for some reason um i mean but i mean the whole central nl central is like such a weird division right now because it feels like bizarre every team is trying to sell um and it maybe it's the other teams looking at the the rest of the teams in the division going well they're selling maybe we can sell and still win the division um you know you know i think should really pivot and and in that way and they haven't really shown any indications of selling yet, but like Milwaukee, I, I think, I think, you know, cause they were a little short. Uh, they fell just below five. They were in the mix all year. It always felt like because of some of the guys, you know, Yelich 
was above average, but he was not Yelich. Keston Hero was a disaster. The offense just did not come through. Uh, so they they missed parlaying some of those breakouts that they had, like Corbin Burns and Devin Williams, into a, a playoff spot. I think they should be hunting in the market, in this cheaper market. They've always shown that they're savvy. And then they're not afraid to spend either. And I'm not saying they go out and get big dogs, but they fill in. This is a great season to fill in multiple pieces with high-quality, solid, above-average major league players. They can do that in a few spots and and maybe leapfrog a couple teams in their division. Like you said, Reds, we don't know what it looks Right now, it looks like they're selling. Unless they turn around and spend that money on, like, Bauer or something, it looks like they're selling. Cards, always crying poor. They're saying they don't even want to pay Yachty like a two-year uh, – Matt Thompson had it yesterday. I think it was like two-year 20 or something, and they don't they – don't, they're saying they can't pay that. <laughs> Cubs been crying poor for a, for a whole minute. And, uh, Cubs and, and Cardinals disgusting. are two of the richest teams in baseball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it disgusts me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to get on – I always get on that I mean, diatribe whenever we talk about it. I but don't it, think it's so the – the Brewers are going to be buyers. I think you're right. They should because it's not like they've got a ton of holes either. They've got no. two really, you know, you know, young, youngish, uh, you know, up and coming stars in their rotation. Uh, I mean, the only real hole in their lineup right now is at first base where uh, Daniel Vogelbach is. Uh, and he killed for them. But yeah. you can find, I mean, you can, there's so many guys they can find there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're probably not wanting to start him full time. So then get a, you know, just get a get really nice platoon partner for yep. him. Uh, so, you know, and then that bullpen, you know, with Hayter and Williams, if Williams is healthy, we, we don't know what Williams' health true, um, true. is, is going to be. But that bullpen is still pretty good. Uh, like, I think they're a starter and, you know, like a platoon partner. From uh, with Vogelbach away from being a real contender in this division, especially with the direction of other teams. So, you know, they're getting Lorenzo Kane back after he opted out. Uh, you know, so Kane, Yelich, Hira, you know, top of your uh, order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Woodruff and Burns anchoring that rotation. Go get another starter and, yeah, and a, and a right handed bat uh, to platoon with Vogelbach. CJ Krohn would, would fit mm. well there. Yep. And then if you get the DH. You could play both of them on a lot of days because yep. I don't think Crone has to be like a short side platoon only. Um, and I know Crone's that a the great NLDH, option. Yeah. Pardon me. I said Crone's a great option. Yeah, I think I think he fits well because the, the NLDH has taken a big hit by them saying like, oh, they should operate as though it's not happening. But we know that that's not set in mm-hmm. stone, and so, we don't believe them. Yes, exactly, exactly. We, we've learned. We've been around long enough that. Uh, we don't take that sort of stuff at face value, but he, but if it does, if it falls through and they got somebody like Crone, then then you do just kind of work a platoon and and you even give Crone some verse righty at bats uh, with Vogelbach on the bench because Vogelbach, I don't think he needs to play every single day, but uh, that'd be a, that'd be a good fit. Um, who we, oh we were talking about Chris Bryant we got on that track that's yeah. that an interesting little <laughs> tangent there, but yeah, I, I'm avoiding him too and it's less about him because I'm not overwhelmingly concerned about his profile. There's just way too many players I like around him. His stat uh, cast data is scary bad. It was it was terrible, but it was it's two months. Yeah, it's and that's months. the hard part is, you know, I, I get excited and I played see... played 34 games too, you know? Yeah, I get excited when I see uh, Chapman's stat cast profile from 2020, and then I look over at someone like Bryant, and I'm like, ooh, 
Like, I don't think... I don't, I don't know that I want to put them within 50 picks of each other. Yeah. Um, so, I'm just... Yeah, I think he's just an avoid for me, and if he bounces back, good for him. It likely yeah. is not going to be on my team. Yeah, totally agree there with regards to Chris Bryant. Let's move on to our next guy, Cabrian Hayes. Good old Cabrizi here. If you didn't have him on your team, I think you missed his his flourish uh, at the end of the season there because nobody was really paying attention to the Pirates. But he absolutely went off. Uh, I'm sure there's stories out there of, oh, I picked up Cabrian Hayes in my 10-teamer, and he won my league, you know, uh, because he was he was absurd. Down, I mean, his whole, his whole MLB sample, he played all of September, was great. 376, 442, 682 with five homers and um, 11 ribbies. But down the stretch, that final week, he hit a cool 516 with three of those homers. So, I mean, he was, you know, I can't imagine what kind of numbers he was putting up in like a points league type of deal. Uh, you know, some head-to-head thing where it's like Cabrian Hayes was the top scorer for somebody uh, that had like some star-studded team. You know, it, it's it's out there somewhere. But he was great. Um, now, 24-year-old going into next year, rookie, uh, with the Pirates, kind of one of their few bright spots. How do you feel about taking Brian, or taking uh, Hayes here? And do you feel like he's somebody that you can rely on as, as your your primary starter at third base? I mean, I think so. I mean, this is the example of a guy that, you know, we see some of these guys coming up from the minor leagues that have really, really good hit tools, but just Mm -hmm. haven't shown power. And then they get up to the majors with the, you know, with the juice ball and they show that power because the hit tool is so good is, you know, if they're making really good contact all the time. Uh, then that ball is going to fly out, and I think that's what's happening here with Hayes. Because I mean, you know, this is a prospect I think a lot of people have been waiting on, but I never thought he was going to be a world beater in terms of fantasy. I thought he was going to be like maybe Anthony Rendon light. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm wondering if he is Anthony Rendon with you standard. Know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, and that may be a little hyperbolic, uh, but, you know, I, I think we're looking at a guy that could be, you know, high 20s home runs, maybe chip in close to double-digit stolen bases and provide you a really good average. Uh, and because he's playing on Pittsburgh, because his call-up was, you know, a little bit late, and by that time no one was watching Pittsburgh. Um, so uh, I think he is being, I mean, he's not being ignored because he's moving up the ADP. He's gone up almost 18 spots. Yeah, um, the, the, the community, you know, the, this is the kind of guy who could shoot up another 40 picks, 50 mm-hmm. picks, just on off-season helium, a few key articles getting written about mm-hmm. him. Yeah, throw like, in I, a decent spring and it's over, and he's a top 100 pick. Easy. He's going to be a part of my ADP movement article uh, for third base that should be coming out tomorrow morning, um, because Love he, it. yeah, I mean, he gained 19 spots in terms of ADP from October to uh, through November. Um, so it's already happening. I yeah, mean, he, it, it, it's he's happening. He's already on his way up. Yeah, I mean, and, this this and, is going to be a guy who is going in that Matt Chapman, Alec Baum. He's going to join Bone. That's exactly what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. Those two are going to be linked there, and uh, they're going to start moving up. And I got to be honest, you know, Bone's at 105. I think Cabrian Hayes is going to join him right around there. <laughs> I'm still, t- I'm still open to taking them. I like yeah. both a lot. 
his really, his min pick really is one hundred five right now. Boom. Uh, and I like I think that is pretty close to the right spot for him. Yep. I mean, you just love a hit tool like that with Brian Hayes. It builds such a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, duh, he's not going to hit three seventy six. But I think you know Steamer already has him for two eighty four as his projection with eighteen homers, nine steals. I that's that's strong. You know, if the power isn't there off rip, like he had a 306 ISO in the major league sample, um, you know, that's one month. I He didn't have that kind of power coming up. If he is more in this uh, 181 ISO that Steamer has him for with, uh, eight, those 18 homers, by the way, come in uh, 560 plate appearances over 131 games. It, I think that's around what we're going to get for a season, by the way, so I, I'm cool with that. If we do get like a 162, that's that's over 20 homers. And now you're looking at like 21, 22 type homers. And Hey, that's fine. Uh, if I get like a 2010, 20 homers, 10 steals with, with great average from, um, Cabrian Hayes, all good by me. Um, just make sure if you're going to take a Hayes that you have some of that lockdown power elsewhere, mm-hmm. just in because, case the power isn't showing quite. Yeah. He is playing in Pittsburgh, which, you know, will, limit a little bit of the power production. Uh, mm-hmm. But, man, you know what his zone contact percentage was last year? I'm going to guess, like, 94% just because... 96.1%. I almost... I swear to God, I almost said 96. I swear. Yeah. I, I dipped it back two points real quick. 96, that's dumb. That's yeah. dumb. The league average... Uh, I, I don't even know what it's it is like off 70 top. Per- yeah, 72. 72. 72%. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm racing you. I'm racing you right now. Race, 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 race. Uh, zone contact. Oh, 84. We're both a little shy. Oh, wow. But to the point, Brian Hayes at 96 is still lots of charts. So, yeah. Plan, don't don't read too deeply into the power output that we saw, but everything else looks great. And then if the power is ready to be there for a full season at age 24, then it's all the better for Brian Hayes. Uh, Gio Rochelle is next at 153. And, you know, he's just kind of, despite being a Yankee, I think it has been kind of a quiet rise into, uh, into you know, fantasy, maybe not fantasy stardom, but fantasy uh, usefulness for sure. And I think this is a fair price for somebody who now, you know, he backed up what he did in, in 2019. If you had, even though it's only two months, because it was, it kind of like, was exactly what we saw or, or, you know, right in the range of what we saw in 2019. I think it validates the 19 and you should feel pretty good about Urshela um, going into his age 29 season this year. I, I really like him. I, I think he's a, a solid like 2580 bet with, with a 300 average. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much Cabrian Hayes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, um, not without quite. Speed. Yeah. With, with Cabrian Hayes has legit speed uh, capability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but in a better lineup, in a better part, better ca- yep, better counting categories. Um, I think he's going way too low uh, as well. I mean, I think hey, Justin, Justin, none of that, dude. He's going too high, guys. You got to take mm-hmm. Gio Rochelle later. Pick two hundred is the earliest that you can take him. Just go, yeah. Ahead, dude. Um, I mean, you know, he should be going probably. You know, with Chapman, Chapman, yeah. Uh, here's the hard part because when you start then talking about this is every guy can't go in the top one exactly and so and that's, that's why, why these guys drop yeah is yeah and that, that it's, it's 
it gets to the depth of the position too. But because this they, is, they can't go there. This is, I mean, you know, Urshela, and we're going to talk about Donaldson next, is like the clear like end of a, you know, a really big tier. Yes, these are the last two where I think you feel really strong about having them as your starter. Um, you feel over the moon if you, they're your CI. You know, if you, if you took uh, Jose Ramirez and you're putting one of these guys at CI, holy hell, you're doing really well in the uh, in the corner realm there. I totally agree with you. Let's bring in Donaldson here, talk about him. You know, age is pushing up, but we know, and I know this is a big if, but 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 if and when healthy, he still produces, plain and simple. But he only played 28 games. He did hit six homers in that time, uh, 222, 373, 469. I, even at age 35, I think the market's giving him a really nice discount. I think it is that age 35 that's helping it. Yes, the, the, the health profile too, yeah. but but 193 feels really late for Donaldson. I, kn- I know two of his last three seasons have been injury riddled, but the other was a full 155, you know, elite campaign. So I'm not out on him, and at this price, I feel like I'm protected from the issues of Donaldson. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Donaldson. It's just a matter of how comfortable you feel with the calf because this has now become the yep. issue. It's it's not like, oh, well, he got, in, you know, in one year he got banged up with a shoulder and then he had the calf issue, you know, and then this last year was, you know, a little bit of a hamstring or something. Like this is, it is this calf that is causing reoccurring problems. Um, and we thought we were over it after 2019 and apparently we're not. And so... He's one of those guys that if he's playing every day, if we get the 155 games out of him that we got in 2019, then I see no reason to not think that we're going to get 35 home runs uh, with you know a you know 260 batting average and you know 100 100 type guy. Um, mm-hmm. The question is, how willing are you to take uh, you know his 2018? Exactly. And that's, you know, that's a real risk. 52 games, eight homers, you know, washout type of year from Donaldson. But again, I think the market has appropriately priced him to the point where that risk is is in there at 193 uh, with a with a max pick of 239. If he's going if my Josh Donaldson pick starts with a two, I feel great. I feel like I feel like everything's covered as far as my issues. Now, of course, if something happens and he doesn't play, you'll have to actually cover the the player by getting something in the mark uh, on the waiver market but i'm okay with the it risks associated with donaldson health and age wise because the market has pushed him down to this range that's where that's where i stand okay so we're we're both in agreement there and again that that finishes the guys that you can really feel comfortable starting there's a guy or two in here that maybe you feel all right about it if everything else is really stacked up so let's get into the corners uh, Gene Segura, we already discussed. Brian Anderson for the Marlins. Big fan. Um, pick 205. I, like I, I've said a million times, I thought that Marlins offense was going to be a bit better. I thought he was going to be a big part of that. He he was solid, though. 255, 345, 465, 11 homers, 38 ribbies. Uh, it was a lot of the, the, the other guys didn't really come around with him. Miguel Rojas was good. Uh, Jesus Aguilar was good. Garrett Cooper, once he got playing, was good. But that was about it. There was no Corey Dickerson showing up the way I thought he might be able to. Jorge Alfaro. Um, 
a couple other guys too. We don't need to get into all of them. But Brian Anderson, I think, is a quintessential corner. He just kind of he's a little bit boring, but you plug him in, you feel pretty good about what you're getting there at CI. What do you what do you what do you say about Brian Anderson on the Marlins? Brian Anderson is the guy for me, and I think everybody's got one of these guys that they just hate and they can't pinpoint why. <laughs> like he's that kid at school that you just like I don't know why I hate Jeff, but man, I hate Jeff. Like it like there's no reason for me to hate him. Um Jeff. Yeah, but Jeff, man. Uh I mean there are reasons to not want to you know buy in on Brian Anderson. I know he's like a favorite of a lot of people in the industry. I've never really gotten it. Um I mean his statcast profile is pretty ugly. Uh it, you know, it is two months, but I mean he's also been a guy who's never been like a statcast hero uh in any regards. Uh and I just don't see the upside of him. I don't think, I don't think you need to. Yeah. I, I think I think uh twenty five eighty with a decent average is is what we're talking here and what's wrong with that? At, at CI after pick 200. It's just so boring. And maybe that's, that's why I said that. Jeff is boring, and I just don't Jeff like Jeff. Boring. Well, I like Jeff. And I I think there is a tinge of upside. I think it comes in the batting average, possibly. I think that's where mm, it, yeah, would, he could that's pop. What it would come. Uh, he struck out 29% this year, but that was not in line with how often he normally strikes out. And I don't really see anything in his profile that uh, that suggests he should have had a big surge. The swing strike rate nine, did go up. Yeah, nine percentile and whiff percentage. Yeah, it, it did go up from from twelve percent to uh, fifteen or sixteen percent, fifteen and a half. But the career is twelve percent, so I think he comes back down and, and strikes out more in the nineteen to twenty two percent range. And you know, so if he runs a hot BABIP, I think there is like a two ninety season in there. I get that it's boring. We don't need to belabor Brian Anderson. Um, he's a corner, and if you hate him, like you do, then you skip him for one of these other guys. But if you like him like I do, I think I would really, as far as Brian Anderson goes, though, I'm really interested in just paying his ADP, though. If it starts to go beyond that, uh, like with Donaldson right there at, at 194, 10 picks higher, or 193, I'd rather just get him. Brian Anderson is somebody that I need his ADP or cheaper. I will say that about him because the upside is not particularly rich. So um, I, I, I guess I agree with you to a degree there, but I don't hate Jeff the way you do. Brian Jeff Anderson is yeah. his new name. Uh, J.D. Davis stands for Jeff Def Davis. <laughs> do you hate him? Uh, I mean. 210. What is his, I mean, like, I know we're anticipating the DH. Yeah, but we'll have to start talking about some things as, you know, we, we have to be open to the idea that it won't necessarily... We, we You and I were like, 100%. Mm-hmm. There is a little cloud, although we do still feel confident that it'll get there. But even if it doesn't, he's the third baseman, no? Is he? I don't yeah. know that he is. I uh, He is. Why wouldn't he be? I mean, they've got what? Jimenez and McNeil. Uh, short and second. Um, Cano, Cano cleared this up. Rosario's not starting, dude. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Who would you start, JD or Rosario? I, I, th- I think at some point there is a Lindor trade to New York, and so I think yeah. even if there isn't a DH, that probably does, uh, does uh, you know, open up a spot for Davis. I think even even without it though, because 
if they trade, you know, I'm trying to think of what, like, we've suggested Dom that. Dom Smith and Rosario and another piece for oh, the, Davis. Then, yeah, then there's yeah. plenty. Like, J.D. Davis is going to play. I think he backed up It could up be J.D. His... Davis as part of the trade. True, true. I think he backed up his 19, though, mm-hmm. uh, to a degree to where he's playing. And the Cano suspension, I think, helped lock, helps lock that in. So now McNeil won't be pushing him off of third base. He's not a particularly good defender. Um, that's why he plays, you know. Yeah, no, I'm pretty uh, sure he's a, a pretty bad spot. defender. <laughs> What's that? I said I'm pretty sure he's a pretty bad defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, let's, uh, let's not soft pedal it. He's bad. Yeah. But the power is there. And, you know, actually it really fell off in that in 20. It I'm did, and he started out. walking a whole lot more. I mean. Yeah, he, that's how. Okay, uh, let me back up a little bit. I said he backed up his 19. Yeah. I, he actually didn't really. Hit the WRC plus being at 117, which is solid. I know it's not the same 136, but it was still, you know, firmly above average. But that was OBP based. You're right. Yeah. Because he walked 14% of the time. But his power really dipped off. Was this an anomaly or something to be concerned about? Let's, oh, I'm sorry. The stat I, I mean, cast stuff. I mean, he was a stat cast hero in 2019. I mean, yes. In, and in that tw- made him. Big favorite for yeah, folks he was, coming into 20. He was top 10 percentile in exit velocity. Uh, you know, he was great. In, in 19, right? In, in 19, yes. This okay, is 19. Okay, you ahead. know, XBA of the 317. Hard hit percentage was in the top 10% of the league as well. Barrel percentage was great. Everything dropped off, but not to like, it's not like he's blue. He's still like, you know, pinkish red. Reds. Yeah. A lot of pinks, yeah. So there was, you know, a little bit of regression, but how much of that was short season, you know, mm-hmm. would he have turned it on at some point? Um, so where did J.D. Davis's homers go, though? Wow, I, I, I am really shook. I, I apologize for misleading folks. He did not really back up his I, I can tell you exactly where they went. They went to a 56% ground ball rate. Oof. You know, yeah, that's he only put the ball in the air yeah, 23.7% of the time. And he pulled it less from 38 mm-hmm. to 32%. Okay, it's starting to make some sense now. Okay, now the question, of course, is... His launch angle is went that... from 10.6 to 3.3. Oh, I did see one. Yandy Diaz giving him tips. Mm, yeah, <laughs> He shouldn't have taken those tips. <laughs> now, the question is, do you believe that that's, that's who he is now, or... He, is he more 19 or 20 or, or smashing both together? Like, where are you at on Davis then based on based on these two disparate samples? I think you're smashing it together a little bit, and that makes him a low 20s homer guy with, like, a 265 batting average. Okay. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he can keep the on-base gains because – you know, 13.5%, like, that makes him a real plus in OBP leagues, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for those of you out there that play play in that kind of format. Should keep him scoring some extra runs. Like, that's a a good lineup, so... Yeah, I mean... He is batting third the way we project him. There's got to be... There's got to be some sort of swing change, you know, and maybe I can go back and look at some tape from 2019 and and kind of compare it to 2020, because... That's a, I mean, that's a really drastic drop 
is. Why has nobody Ron talking Chernobyl? about that? Or, or maybe they are, and I'm missing it. Because, but he was like such a. I haven't seen definite, anything on it. So uh, he's a wide awake sleeper coming into 19. You know, everyone talking about you know you got to get JD Davis to the point where he wasn't even a bargain, and then he kind of uh, almost, he kind of flopped. You almost wonder if he's overshadowed by his teammate Dom Smith. That yes, people are so excited about him, and when they're talking about Mets and want to talk about Dom Smith, that you know this kind of drastic change is being kind of overlooked. I think it's fair, fair question. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do a little bit more digging. I think this is going to deserve a, a deep dive, but right now, like, I don't know. I mean, his defensive issues could cost him a little bit of playing time, and so, like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable projecting. 600 plate appearances in the way that like depth charts does um Mm -hmm. you know especially until we know for sure that there is a dh uh because i think he is the dh if uh if that if and when that does happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so okay i I think that's fair with regards to jd it's still not a bad price no it's not it's not and yeah i guess the market has certainly reacted to the uh to the dip Mm -hmm. putting him down at 210 um yeah, I'm going to kind of monitor him, and I'm eager to see what you've got if you do an article uh, on it or, or, or tweet out some things. I'm eager to see what you got on a deep dive with J.D. Davis because that is that is a stark turn. He went from being the StatCast darling of power to 56% ground ball, so good call out there. That's J.D. Davis. We're moving forward. Uh, Andres Jimenez and David Fletcher have been discussed at previous positions. David Fletcher could be discussed at like 52 positions. Actually, he's, he's cut it down to just three this year. He had five last year, first, second, third, short outfield. He lost first in outfield. What a loser. <laughs> Absolute loser. Let's talk uh, Mr. COVID, Justin Turner, 223 ADP. This, this is like, uh, this is what I was saying. There's some guys in here who you can have as your starter, and it might not be the end of the world. Turner was who I was eyeing specifically when I said that. And I think it's really, it's kind of a um, Josh Donaldson thing where age and health bring him down here. And free agency. Yeah, and uncertainty. There's always, in these early drafts, free agents are cheaper. Even if you know they're going to sign, you know they're going to probably be on a good Mm -hmm. team. Like A lot of people think he's just going to go right back to L.A. Even still, that uncertainty keeps his price down. So he'll jump like a round or two particularly if he re-signs with, with the Dodgers. But uh, Justin Turner will be 36, so I think a lot of this is the ageism um, as well. He's always good when he plays, but there are chunks of time that he misses without a doubt. How do you feel about Justin Turner going down here at, uh, two, what did I say, 223? If he's going at 223 come February, March, I'm going to have him on a lot of teams. Yeah, probably too many. I'll be like, yeah. oh, dang. And I now, mean, if he gets hurt, I'm screwed. You know, I mean, people give me crap for uh, you know not liking Dodgers and stuff like that. But like, I've always just kind of been a Justin Turner guy because I feel like maybe not to this level, but I feel like every year we're talking about Justin Turner being a value at third base. Yes, we absolutely are. Yeah, it's not always down here, but it's all relative to his production and the position. I I agree. I think he's always a bargain since he broke out. The market has never like fully bought in and. It started with health, and now that he's age 36 and a free agent, those two factors are coming into it as well. But Dude, his you know stat cast getting... page is beautiful. 
Go ahead. What, what, what's, what, what are the uh, I mean, it's highlights. all pink and red, but like 93 okay. percentile on XBA, 95th percentile on XWOBA, uh, you know, is strikeout percentage, 88th percentile. I mean, the only things that are blue on his page are sprint speed and outs above average. Everything else is either pink or red. Exit velocity and hard hit percentage are in 76th percentile, barrel percentage 75th percentile. Like, he is, you know, top quarter of the league in every every, every metric. And mm-hmm. uh, I assume, I think a lot of people assume he's going to go back to the Dodgers, but maybe he's a consolation prize if the Blue Jays lose out on LeMahieu. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that'd be a, a real interesting fit. I think there are a lot of teams that would love to get a guy like Justin Turner, um, you know, so it's... Like I, I don't think he's going to end up in a bad spot necessarily, and he's just a guy that I think, you know, health has been the issue. Like he hasn't played 150 games in a season since 2016, but when he's going 223, it's like okay, I will fill in with you know whatever multi-positional eligible guy that I got, you know, mm-hmm. on my bench or you know the guy that I drafted at third base or drafted it at first base like bomb that I can move to third base. And I always say, you know, don't don't double count these issues. Don't put you know put heat on Turner by saying, oh, he gets hurt all the time and he's old. That's already in the price, so you don't have to, you know. That, that's why you're getting him so cheap. And he, uh, wow, in, he's in only the first played place. one season of 150 games or more. So. Yeah, no, you you got to put him. To, let's say we get a 162, which is a pipe dream, but we, we judge off 162. We go from there. You can only put him down for one thirty. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you really pushing it too much if but you try to project further. In but he's most, always so great when he plays. And in most of these seasons, even when he doesn't play, you know, a bunch of games, he still racks up a fair amount of plate appearances. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you look at 2019, 2017, He played like you know, buck thirty, buck thirty five. He still racked up four hundred and forty five, four hundred and forty nine plate appearances. In those seasons, yep. so and when he's posting, I mean, he's posted two ninety or above in batting average in every season, yeah, except for one year, pretty much since he came to the Dodgers in twenty fourteen. So, mm-hmm. like, late batting average is just not something you find super easy. Um, and you know, he's also had seasons where, in spite of missing time, he's popped twenty seven home runs. So, like, there's upside here, and I think. People are overlooking Justin Turner once again. Yep, I, I totally agree, and I'm okay with it. I will have him on some teams without a doubt, and uh, I do think it 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 makes sense that the Dodgers would bring him back. Um, they have players they could play at third, but I think they seem committed to kind of keeping this crew together. So we'll see if he goes somewhere else. Uh, I think because of his age, it wouldn't be on some crummy team. So I think. Because we, we do want Turner on a good team because you need those county categories to be as good as they can be in the limited time that he plays. Uh, so I'm not particularly worried about that, though. I don't think like I, I don't think the Mariners are, are signing him, you know, something like that. Well, they've got the, you know, uh, Seager. Uh, you kind of lock yeah, it they, up third base with that contract. They have the other Seager. He, yeah. He's played, Turner's played with the worst Seager. He could play with the better Seager. Mm-hmm. Now. That's right. Kyle's better. Although I don't have to convince you. You actually probably agree with I that. Do I do I say that. it more as a meme. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a meme in my Twitch channel that we say the better Seeger is uh, is Kyle. Uh, all right, Austin Riley is up next, 239. 
um, we kind of know what he is, right? He's your standard, just power bat, batting average, sinkhole, should be like a 30, 30 plus homer guy. Not really 3,100 because he doesn't bat in the right lineup spot to get the 100 ribbies, but he's like a 30, 90 guy, right? Like, with a, with a 240 average or 235 average. Mm, we're talking about Riley here? Yeah, Austin Riley. I mean, that. I that, mean. That, that's the feel I get from him. Let me see what the, the projections are at. Hang on. They, they have him at 30 home runs in 254. Um, Even more than I said. There yeah, you go. Yeah, which is pretty glowing. I'm. I'll stand with my 30, 240. Yeah, even two thirty-five, and then if I get two fifty-four, I'll do backflips on that. Do we think he is finally a full-time player? Has to be, Doesn't unless he? they make moves. Yeah, well, yes, I mean, yeah, it's still early, and they've shown that they're gonna make moves. You know, they've already you signed. Think they're gonna get a third baseman and a left fielder. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I I don't think they're gonna get a left fielder because Drew Waters is coming up at some point next year, so. Um, but I, I, I think he's, I mean, he's 20, like, what, why would you replace him at this point? Like if you don't believe in him, then like move on from him. But, you know, quality prospect coming up 24 years old now has, you know, 500 plate appearances under his belt, um, of mixed work. He's had ups and downs. It, it's, it's below average uh, on the whole 87 WRC plus, but I think they, they've seen from him what they can get in fact his plate skills were a lot better this this past season despite uh, a, a similar output of wrc plus but he he shaved the strikeout rate from 36 to 24 and boosted the walk rate from five to eight percent if he holds those two i think he can he can get better than an 89 wrc plus because he was striking out 36 percent with a five percent walk rate in 2019 and he put up an 86 wrc plus so only three points improvement despite those plate skill improvements, is kind of a bummer. But it's because the power came at the expense. So I think as he kind of figures it out, if he can hold some of those plate gains while getting back to his, you know, 230-plus ISO, again, I, I think 30-90 with a 240 is what I'm looking at from Austin Riley. You know, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Solid corner. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're putting him in our corner with some pop. Again, if you get, you know... You get one of those guys that doesn't quite have the major power, but does a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. for your primary third baseman. Then, then Riley can make up that power gap at corner. All right, and our last guy. Well, we have Candelario, Jaime Candelario, Willie Castro, and Ryan McMahon, who we already discussed. So our last guy is the aforementioned Kyle Seager, who, um, you know, remember he used to be. He was he the steadiest steady. of Eddie's. Yes, he was so steady and, and just boring. You knew what you were getting. You loved it. You could ink it in. You didn't even have to pencil it in. And then he fell off a little bit back in 18. Um, he hit, hit just 221. Rebounded some in 19. And then uh, was even even better this past year as far as, well, actually, no, same same OBP, OPS. 789 last year, two, 788 this year. It just happened to be a little bit better of an OPS plus because uh, the the league went down. The weird thing, and I, I I'm only giving it a passing mention because we're not putting stock into the five steals, but it was a nice little fantasy boost that he stole five bases in five attempts. By the way, out of nowhere, he had six steals in the previous three years combined. So seven seventeen hundred twenty three plate appearances to go six for eleven, 
and then 248 plate appearances to go five for five. Don't you just love stolen bases? They're so easy <laughs> to predict. So, yeah, I well, want to give I mean, a passing mention for that with Cal Seager, but that's not part of his game at all. He's power. Like, he's kind of the uh, he's kind of the Austin Riley thing with a little less power, but better counting and, and better because he's in a better lineup spot and better batting average, I think. Mm-hmm. By about five to ten points, depending on where you put Riley's projection. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Seeger's one of those guys where it's like, oh my god, I was focusing so much on pitching or so much on outfield that I'm now getting it's getting late and I don't have a third baseman. And while it may feel gross to draft Kyle Seeger at that point, it's actually not a bad bet. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's not. It's, it's not killing you. No, it's. I mean, it's. It's not. You know, you're not gonna look at your league at the end of the year and go, "Man, Kyle Seager, he's the reason I won the main event." But uh, um, he, or, or, or you know, conversely, he's the reason I lost the league. I, I needed somebody else at there. Like he's, he's fine. He, he's yeah, just he's one of those guys that you're in. gonna plug in and get five dollars in terms of added value. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I don't know that there's much else to say yeah, on I, Kyle I Seager. Uh, other than the fact that if you think he's going to get traded, he's not. <laughs> no, because of the contract. Yeah, because uh, if he gets if he gets traded, it automatically triggers his option for next correct. year. Correct, correct. And I don't think a team is going to like he's not doing that much out there that that a team would be willing to lock in fifteen milli for him. Um, in addition to the remainder of the eighteen five that they'd have to pay this year, whenever they whenever they got Seager. So I agree with you there. He's not going to get traded. But he's going to bat in the heart of that lineup. And, you know, if they start to call up Kelnick, Rodriguez, you know, if, if guys start to deepen that lineup, that's only going to make his runs and ribbies better. You know? Yeah, I agree. So, so there, there is that upside, too. But, uh, all right, so that's where we're stopping at third base right now. We are, uh, let's see. Seeger is 30th at the position. I didn't even know it was a nice, nice round number there, there. So we'll get into the remainder. On Monday, we'll get your super deep pick 600 or later sleeper. Uh, we'll get into that. We've really built then, this up, and people are going to be uh, super disappointed by this. I'm not. I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. Everyone's going to be like, why? Most people are going to be like, who? who? This, Who's that? This is going to be uh, like the year where like I... Uh, um, I think it was like 2015 where I was like Renato Nunez. Remember this name, Renato Nunez, and like, and I was you know really Four pumped years him up. To come through. And it, yeah, <laughs> like he never made it to the majors with Oakland, and uh, but yeah, it, it just was disappointing. So, but he needs a team now, by the way. There, there, there's does. a there's um, Brewers Milwaukee's. Yeah. Yep. yep. I like yep. that. All right, but anyway, perfect timing. I got to get out 11:30. But Justin. Great talking with you. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm there in your office, and I will talk to you next week. Take it easy. Peace.